0: Father, I was reminded this morning the passage where you told your disciples, whoever wanted to gain his life must lose it. And Lord, as we talk about suffering this morning, that's such a difficult reality for us to grasp. Losing something to gain. God, I pray for our hearts this morning as we listen to your word, as we seek you and we seek to learn from you, and seek to spend time with you, God, that you would uh, reveal your truth to us. That you would help our perspective be shifted to eternal things. And you would have freedom to move as you desire in this place god let our hearts be tender to your word and to your message and god also we pray for our pastor pray for you to renew his heart his strength his love for you his love for his wife and his family you continue to work in him as we know and believe and trust that you are and work in us as we look for great opportunities to serve you and to be a witness for you in the days ahead also that you the king of kings and lord of lords receive honor and glory and praise in jesus name i pray amen Thank you, church. You guys can grab a seat. And I think, kids, you guys can not grab a seat. (laughs) Head out next door for kids' worship. Man, I am uh, so excited to be back here with you guys today. I know it looks a little different um, this morning as we go back to two services. um, And uh, I think it's just still such a good time to to be with you guys. And And I don't know that there was any loss of volume in your singing as I was standing back here uh, praying and prepping. Man, I could hear you guys and I love to hear uh, God's people lift up um, songs to him. And So uh, thank you guys for your worship. Thank you guys for that. Before we go too much further, we know we need to check in, right? So if you've got a phone, uh, grab it and we're going to check in together. If you've never done that, I'll walk you through it. It's uh, pretty simple. So you just send a text message. Uh, with the word check to the phone number 256-233-5080. I say that in my sleep now, so hopefully you guys, if you've been here, you've you've got it, and if not, um, try it out. Um, If you've never done it before, there is a button you'll click once you get the link uh, that says add to class, and then follow the instructions there to walk you right through getting signed up, getting checked in, and then... Uh, you'll get this morning's outline, but I'm I'm grateful for the opportunities that we have to glorify, grow, and go. We've been talking about that a lot, and I want to share a few exciting things before we jump into the word um, that are that are going on even today. Um, and that is that we are relaunching our groups um, this week and today. So for kids and for students, um, immediately following this service uh, during our 10:30 hour, we have. Uh, groups for, for everyone, for, for kids, students, and then there are a few adult groups that will also be meeting. Um, so uh, we're excited about that. We're excited about the opportunity to grow together uh, as we open God's Word in smaller groups and uh, and study together. And then, of course, Wednesday night is Bike to School Bash. If you don't show up here with a bike, I'm going to be so, like, that's so good. Um, and I want you to wear, like, the, if you've got an obnoxious helmet, like not a regular helmet, but like a really obnoxious one, grab that one and wear it just for my entertainment because um, I think that'll be fun. If it's like three sizes too small or four sizes too big or just really painted up, like if you get that Dumb and Dumber helmet that's just, you know, a, a cone head, wear that. Um, But yeah, we we were launching that this week. And then don't forget on August 27th, our church picnic uh, last week was a great time to hang out with you guys and and get to know one another a little better and enjoy some some good beignets and some electric lemonade, is what I called it, and some incredible coffee uh, from Happy Pappy. And so hopefully you got to do that. Uh, And if you want even more of that, then the picnic is a great place to come and meet more folks and have some fun. We'll be at Camp Helen, we'll get our swimmies on and we'll have a good time, Um, but that's the 27th. More details are available on Facebook this week and stuff, so make sure you check that out and be ready, okay? But as I said, we've been walking through our purpose statement, uh, looking at glorify, grow, and go and what that means for us and what we believe and why we do what we do here at the Grove, and so we kind of wrapped that portion of of the series up last week. Uh, and as we were kind of walking through the end of that, <clears throat> we were looking at Acts chapter 1 in verse 8. Um, Jesus, being resurrected, comes to his disciples, and he tells them that they are going to be his witnesses. He commands them um, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I, I told you, I learned in studying and share with you that that word for witness is martus in Greek, and it's the same word where we get the word martyr. Um, so witness or martyr, they're, they're the same word in, in Greek. And, and what I believe that Jesus was indicating, at least subtly there, is that there was going to be suffering involved in following him. Um, he said it directly many places in scripture, and we'll talk about some of those. And if we, if we look at the lives of the disciples, the apostles Uh, From this point forward, we know that they faced uh, much suffering uh, in their lives. There's a cost to following Jesus uh, whenever you live in a world who is not following Jesus. Does that make sense? Those two things, like, um, uh, what what is it, Uh, water and oil, they, they don't really mix well. And so my challenge to us was to suffer in a way that points people to Jesus. Suffer so that people can see Jesus in you and through you. And uh, they would ponder God's goodness and God's power as a result of the way you suffer. But I didn't really feel like we had time to unpack that. And so this week, is, that's, that's what I want our focus to be is, is, well, how do we do that? How can I suffer in such a way that it would bring honor and glory to, to Christ? How can, I, how can I go through hard times and go through trials and go through tribulation or however you want to call it, and honor Jesus and so if you've got a Bible we're gonna start in um, Genesis chapter 3 but then we're gonna jump to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and i to be honest the first question I think we have to answer when we're talking about this is why does suffering even exist where does suffering come from why, why do we have suffering and th- this is a heavily debated um, question uh, if, if you're looking at people who are, who are outside of, of following Jesus One of the big questions is, well, if if God is so loving, so kind, and so gracious, then why would he allow us, as his prized creation, his prized possession, why would he allow humans to suffer? And and it's a question that we all have to answer, and we all have to wrestle with, and we all have to figure out, why does suffering exist? If God is good and God is loving, why is there suffering? And and I'll be, again, honest, I, I don't I'm not going to unpack this fully this morning. And so I'll give you some good resources that we often share with you. GotQuestions.org does an incredible job of answering this question. Why is there suffering and does God cause suffering? Those two questions. If you just go in there and search suffer, those are going to be the first two articles that come up. And they do a great job of laying out very detailed, very biblical, why suffering exists and and, and where suffering comes from. And so if, if you leave here with questions feel free to reach out to me. I would love to, to talk with you in a, in a more intimate setting where we can sit face-to-face and maybe, you know, over some food because we found out last week that eating together in small groups is biblical. Acts chapter 2, just saying. Um, but we could talk about it, but you can also go to that website, okay? Uh, but, but if we're just going to answer the question and walk away, the answer is, of course, sin, right? We suffer. The reason we suffer is because... Of sin, And we can go back to the very beginning of creation, um, and we can determine pretty quickly that sin results in suffering and brokenness. Look with me at Genesis chapter 3. Um, we'll start in verse 14, if I can get the pages to open. There oh, we go. Genesis 3, verse 14. Now, this is right after Adam and Eve had been caught in their sin. There was one, one rule, so to speak. God had told him, Eat from any tree, any plant, any anything that that gives you food, eat it, except for that one, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, Don't eat that one. And of course we know that the snake, the serpent, comes in. He tempts Eve, and she eats, and gives some to her husband Adam, who is with her. And then then the Lord comes, excuse me, looking for them. He says, Where are you? And they were hidden. And we have that whole conversation of what happened. And then look at verse 14. It says, So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life it will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until the until retur- till you return to the ground since you were taken from it for you are dust and you will return to dust not a pretty picture here right we know that what was what resulted is that they were removed from the garden of eden they were removed kind of from from god's presence and the next thing you read is that they've got a son who's killing the other son, right? Um, he says right there, there's hostility has entered the room now between the animals. So, so the relationship between God and man was broken. The relationship between uh, man and creation was broken. Man and his wife, it was, it was broken. It was messed up. The, the desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. All of that is brokenness. All of that is why suffering exists, right? Uh, uh, Romans 6.23, Jesus reminds us, or Paul writing, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in in Christ Jesus our Lord. So sin brings death, and death brings what? Suffering, pain. Suffering exists because of our sin, because of sin of Adam and Eve, sin brings brokenness sin brings suffering and again we can unpack that a lot more but I hope that that will be enough for us to, to at least start with as our base so that we can understand how to suffer because I want us to get a little more specific about how, ways that we suffer right because uh, we know that our, there are a variety of reasons for which we suffer and for which people suffer uh, one of which first of which is our personal sin right Sin always has consequences. We just read the consequences of of Adam and Eve's sin, but but the same is true for us today. If you you go out from this place and you do something sinful, there is a consequence. If you go and lie to a friend about something, at some point you're going to suffer a consequence based on that lie. If you go do something even worse, you go steal or cheat or whatever. There is a consequence. You say, well, you know, man, I'm I'm getting away with it. I'm nobody knows about this yet. Well, then maybe it's it's not visible and it's not public, but there's still a consequence that happens in our, our heart, in our lives, right? When we sin, it, it breaks our fellowship with with Christ. It pushes us further away from him. You hear people talking about kind of the ebb and flow of their relationship with God. I don't feel close to God anymore. I hear that at camp a lot with with students. Man, I just don't feel saved. Well, is it because you're still living in sin? Is it because you're still participating in the the old ways of life and you haven't put those off? Or is it because you don't have a relationship? One of those two things is, is true in that situation, right? Our sin has caused a separation in our relationship or we realize that we didn't have a relationship. But sin has consequences. Of course, then there's also the sins of others. Sometimes we are are the victim in the harshness that is sin. Sometimes people hurt us. But not only that, um, think about when a friend lies to you, here's some examples, sorry. Uh, someone abuses power and authority and hurts you, but, but also like the sins of nations, right? We see specific cases in scripture where God allowed judgment or God brought judgment. It's kind of that weird dynamic. We don't like to talk about that God actually brings the suffering. That's uncomfortable. And again, it's something we could unpack in a, in a better conversation. But there are a few places where God takes credit for the suffering of people. For one is... You think about when, when the, the plagues of Egypt. God allowed those things, God brought those things onto the, the nation of Egypt because they were abusing and enslaving his people. And then you turn right around and see Israel disobey God. And what was the result? They wandered in the desert for 40 years and that generation passed away and didn't get to inherit the, the, the physical promised land, right? So there are our sins, sins of others, and then there's things like disease, right? Sicknesses that are brought on by global sin as a result of living in a fallen world or long-term personal sin, right? These are ways that we suffer because we're human and we live in a world that's broken and fallen. And and again, this list is not exhaustive. It's not uh, fully complete or even very detailed, but these things happen simply because we are humans. All people experience the the effects of sin and and disease and and things like that. We all go through that. But what I want us to to investigate and and look at today, uh, probably more closely, because I think all of this is a part of it, but specifically, what are the reasons that we suffer for being Christians? What are the reasons we suffer as a result of following Jesus? What are the ways in which we suffer and what do we do about it? Of course, there's Persecution, right, where people hate and attack and mistreat believers simply because of their faith. It's that we're, we're coming after you kind of mentality. People are out to get you because they don't agree or don't believe. And the wildest thing to me in this is this, in my experience, I'm not going to say this is the rule, okay, but in my experience, what has shocked me about persecution, it usually comes from people who claim to know Christ, very religious people. And that's surprising to me. I know that's not the case in in, in every situation, Uh, but persecution comes for those who are following Jesus. Another thing is what I would call trials, where God allows certain things to take place in order to strengthen our faith and increase our dependence on him. Those things that you go through and you're like, man, this is tough. Why, Why is this happening and it's a testing of our faith, similar to what Job experienced, right? He went through difficult things, but it was, it was very directly God testing him because God, well, it, it was almost like that proud dad moment, right? God, God says to, to the enemy, have you considered my servant Job? And that's why we consider those things as joy because they're a testing of our faith. We are counted as one that, that is a part of... Following Christ. You think about uh, John and Peter when they were arrested and and they left there rejoicing. Why? Because they had had been counted worthy to suffer. Those are trials and they're hardships. And and these are real closely related. You might not put them in two categories, but I have. Uh, This is where bad things happen or things are harder because you live in opposition to this world. And this is when following Jesus costs you maybe financially, it costs you a job, it costs you a friendship. You're going through a hardship because you're living a certain way in order to honor Jesus, and the world is pushing against that. You're, you're pushing against society. And then, again, this one might overlap. And all these, the last one I have is spiritual warfare, where you're enduring attacks from the enemy and, and battles between your, your new self in Christ and your old self, that is your flesh, and you're struggling with which, which dog you're going to feed, So to speak, you're struggling with, well, where am I? How am I going to live my life today? Who am I going to honor in this moment? And you're trying to put off your old self, but that flesh. I think about what Jesus told Peter. He says, you know, the the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He told him that um, before Peter would deny him. And so, those are ways that we suffer. Uh, these are various things that happen uh, that we would call suffering. Um, and with any of these, we can endure in a way that honors Jesus and points people to him. So how do we do that? And to answer this, I want us to walk through a, a specific passage that I think deals with a lot of this. It's a passage that I kept trying to kind of walk away from during the week as I was studying. or, or get a, you know, I, I was going a different way, and I was trying my best to get around it, and I couldn't. So we're going, we're going for it. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then when we wrap up. We're going to look at a few other people who also suffered well and see what we can learn. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then we're going to break it down uh, and look at it. It says in verse 1, Therefore, since we have this ministry because we were shown mercy, we do not give up. Instead, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of the truth. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded their minds, blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. For we know that the one who who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what, on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The first thing that I notice in reading this and studying this passage If we want to suffer well, if we want to honor God even through suffering, then we need to repent of sin and cling to the truth. Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth. Uh, This would be Greek believers and, and former Jews who are seeking to follow Christ. And he is seeking to help them understand how to live as followers of Christ. It's all new. It's all different to them. And so he is trying his best uh, to give them instruction by the power of the Holy Spirit on how to do this well. So he uses chapter 3 to remind them that obedience to the law is not enough to save your soul. It's not enough to bring salvation. He goes back over and he talks through it and he says, you can't do it. As hard as you try, you can't, you're not good enough, but Jesus was and Jesus is. Jesus earned salvation for us and is now at work in those of us who believe. And so he says, because he has shown us mercy, we have the responsibility to show others mercy. And even though it isn't easy, we do not give up. So what do we do instead? Instead, we're not living a secret double life. He said, we put away those secret sins, those secret things. We're not faking it. We're not twisting God's word to fit our agenda or try to make it say what we want it to say in order to continue living in sin or fit in better with society. We're not trying to manipulate people into believing the gospel so that we win an argument or somehow we come out on top and we can high-five each other or prove a point. But we are actively repenting of sin and clinging to the truth of the gospel. He points back to the gospel over and over. We're not preaching ourselves, but Christ as Lord. Jesus is God's son, sent to earth to give his life as a ransom for many and bring redemption for lost souls. Jesus in my place. That is the gospel. So when we, when we do fall to sin, when we do mess up, we own it. We don't justify it. We don't try to twist God's word. We own it. We repent. And we seek to make things right. And we continue pursuing Jesus and living the gospel for others. So then the question for us becomes, are you actively repenting or actively justified? Are you actively repenting of sin based on conviction from God's word, from preaching, from conversation with other believers, from the Holy Spirit working through circumstances, or... Are you constantly seeking to justify and excuse sin and avoid God's word by not reading it, by skipping church, by twisting scripture to fit your lifestyle, or even withdrawing from believers altogether and quenching the Holy Spirit? If we're going to suffer well, if we're going to suffer in a way that points people to Jesus, then we must be committed to faithfully following him, addressing sin and repenting as Holy Spirit makes us aware and clinging to the truth of the gospel through spiritual disciplines that bring growth and life change rather than excusing or hiding sin and continuing to live in it. The gospel is what we cling to. The gospel is what we base our lives on. No matter what we face or why we suffer or how we suffer, we must not compromise the truth of the gospel. That is the temptation in the world today, in the church today, To say, well, society is screaming really loud about these things. So if we just give in here, we can still cling to this part. Anytime we compromise the word, it doesn't work. It produces more suffering, more heartache, more brokenness. We need to cling to the gospel. Number two, allow people to see Jesus through your brokenness here he writes that we are clay jars we have this treasure in clay jars and that's kind of weird to us uh, hard to hard to understand a little bit but clay jars were common in Paul's day they were made from the earth itself they were used for everyday storage they were easily cracked and often broken so you wouldn't put your most valuable possessions in something so fragile and so common and yet Paul compares us as believers with the gospel, with the knowledge of Jesus, to these clay jars. It's quite fitting. We, too, are formed from the dust of the earth by God. We're all valuable but not extraordinary in the sense that we are uh, equally reflecting God's image. We are broken, fragile, messy vessels. Yet we've been trusted with the greatest treasure in all of eternity. The greatest treasure in the universe, the gospel. Of course, this doesn't make logical sense. Why would God entrust the gospel to us, his greatest treasure to us? And why didn't he use uh, angels and visions or dreams or uh, direct interaction with people to to share the message of salvation? Paul tells us right here it's for his glory. (laughs) Because whenever he uses this messed up, broken vessel that I am... He receives even more glory, even greater glory because people can look at us and they can see the mess that we are and the things we've gone through and the brokenness that we have and go, well, that part couldn't be from him. There's no way he could do this. There's no way she could do that. That has to be someone else. It has to be Jesus. Jesus shines through our brokenness and he receives great honor and glory. People realize that He is the one working through us, shaping us, molding us, changing us, saving us, redeeming us—not we ourselves. So He gets glory. So the question for us, in application, is: Are you real or religious? Do you let people in so they can see how God is and has changed your life, or? Do you hide your brokenness? Do you hide your struggles? Do you hide your past sins because you're not dealing with it or you're ashamed of it or you're afraid of what they'll think? And another common issue that we struggle with as a church is that we want to paint a pretty picture and we want to act like we got it all together because somehow we interpreted that that's what we should look like. That's not really what scripture says. He says, yeah, don't live in sin, but also don't hide it. Repent of it, deal with it, but let Christ shine through those moments, those things. Paul was not afraid to be honest about his experiences and his struggles. He takes some time here to list out four specific things that he was struggling in, right? He says first, we are afflicted on every, in every way, but not crushed. This word afflicted here, pressed. There was a song we used to sing, uh, trade in my sorrows. It says, I am press, pressed, but not crushed. And it's like a grape being pressed for wine, right? And so what what do you do with with grapes? You don't just squeeze them a little bit. You squeeze them to the point of crushing them. Y'all remember that video a long time ago where that woman was trying to squish the grapes and she cheated and she fell out and hurt herself? Look it up. It's hilarious. But also that's the idea of what happens to grapes. They are completely destroyed, completely smashed to pieces. But he says, we're pressed. We're almost there but we're not crushed. In other words, we are not being poured out and destroyed completely or emptied or used up. We're closed, but we're not there. Then he says, we are perplexed, but not in despair. Perplexed there, you've ever been perplexed and something happens you're like, oh, I don't really know what to do. I'm confused, I've got doubts. Should I go this way or that way? What, what do I do in this moment? How do I handle this? If you watch commercials, they say you should stuff a Snickers bar or a Twix bar, one of those two in your mouth real quick. That way you can have time to think about it. I don't have chocolate in my pocket because it would melt and be gross. But he says we're perplexed but not in despair. Despair is that place of having no idea what to do without hope, right? So we've, we were confused. We were struggling, but we were not without hope. He says we are persecuted but not abandoned. In other words, they're chasing after us. That's the idea of that word persecuted, being chased down. But we are not alone. He was standing on that promise, surely I am with you to the ends of the age, right? Holy Spirit was with them, was in them, so they were not abandoned when they were attacked. And he says, we are struck down but not destroyed. We were cast down, we were weary, we're tired, we're worn out. But we're not defeated. We're unbroken, we're not dead. He says in verse 11, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul shared often about his struggles and his sin and the things he went through, calling himself eventually the chief of sinners. He wasn't shy about talking about his struggles. Because he knew in his weakness, Christ would be strong, right? And why do he do all this? He tells us in the end of verse 15, so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory, and glory of God. In reality, folks, is that following Jesus isn't always glamorous. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. It's not always stuff to celebrate in the moment. But Paul knew And I believe many of you know that it's always worth it. If we're going to suffer well, then we mustn't pretend like our lives are perfect, that we have no struggles or doubts or sins. That's what religion tells us to do, right? I'm enough. I'm good enough. I've got this figured out. Instead, we must be real. Must be transparent, honest about our past and truly repentant when we fail in the present, relying on Christ to shine through our brokenness and use us for his glory. I want to look back at verse 16 through 18 as we wrap up this part because it's, it's beautifully written here. If I can find it, it says, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not give Focus on what is seen, but what on, on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Number three is build your life on eternal things. Therefore, that famous word here in the CSB, because we believe the gospel is true, because it has changed our lives, and because we trust in God's word and his presence with us, Holy Spirit is in us. And because God receives glory when we suffer for his purposes, Paul says, we, therefore, we do not give up. The second time he has said, we do not give up. Paul could say this with boldness because Paul was literally living this out day in and day out. He had been persecuted, stoned, starved, imprisoned, betrayed, and whatever else you can add to that list. Yet he did not give up because his focus was not on this world. His focus was on eternity. His perspective had shifted. He shares with us in Philippians 3 all the reasons that he had to brag about his religion and and, and the way that he lived his life. And he says in verse 7, But everything that was gained to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them all as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Nothing in this world could bring Paul the joy and the satisfaction that following Jesus had. And nothing in this world will fulfill you the way that following Jesus will, the way that things of eternity will. So we have to, like Paul, shift our perspective. And so the question of application is, is your focus on Jesus or things of this earth? Do you live in light of the absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory that is yours in eternity with Jesus? Or are you still trying to build a kingdom of your own here on this earth? And guys, I know this is terribly difficult. This is awfully hard because the things of this earth are right here in our face. Uh, they're, they're immediate, right? If we go work hard, then we can earn things immediately. If we cheat, we can get ahead immediately. If we spend all of our time focused on this, this world, we can build up treasures here and have a, a nice little retirement, a nice little house and all the things that the world says will fulfill you. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but I'm saying they're not God. And they can't bring eternal joy and satisfaction and peace. That's why we always want more and more because they're never enough. But the promise that we have in eternity is that everything that is ours to gain in eternity outweighs all of this by so much that it doesn't even compare. So if we want to suffer well, we must be convinced of the reality that Jesus is worthy of our devotion and that our reward of living forever with him is actually worth it. Do you believe that? Has that reality shaped your life and changed how you live? I truly believe these principles that we find there in that verse, and there are even more, are essential for suffering well. But also know it's tough to okay. Well, these are all like, hey, that's not me today. Uh, these these are all like like theoretical, right? So so how do we make this real? How do we walk away with this? And, and as I was studying this week, uh, these are just some some truths that God gave me from His Word that I think will help us really narrow this down. And, and, and the first one is endure persecution with humility. So many times our response to people attacking us is to either attack back or defend ourselves or to or to or be right to justify ourselves to justify our point of view and that's why I believe that humility is the key to enduring persecution. We read in 1 Peter 2 21 Peter was not unfamiliar with suffering and he's writing this book to people, Christians, who are suffering at the hands of an evil Roman emperor named Nero. And he says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Listen to this. Just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sin in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Christ is our ultimate example. And we know everything he faced. He spoke truth, but he never fought. He never promoted himself. He was humble and, t- and submissive to God's will. Number 2 endure hardships and trials with peace. Whenever it gets tough in life, we can seek to have peace from God because the verse I read last week John 16:33 if I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on this earth, you have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Why are we surprised when the world, when the enemy attacks, why are we surprised when we get sick or when we lose people that we love or we face opposition from this world? Jesus told us it would be this way. And if we take him at his word, then we can have peace because we know, hey, this is not anything unfamiliar. This is not anything unexpected. This is not anything he didn't tell me about, and it's not anything that he is unaware of. So I'm going through something hard instead of doing what I typically do and whining about it or complaining or pleading with God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? Poor, poor me. I go, wait a minute. You already knew this was happening. And your promise is to be with me and to see me through it. We just sang about that a few moments ago. I'm going to make it through because I'm standing strong on you. So we have peace. And we can consider it joy, as James 1 talks about. Because I knew this was coming. This is not unfamiliar. Because I love Jesus and I'm following him so I have peace. The third one. Overcome disappointment in the world with contentment in Christ. Philippians 4, Paul again writing, I know how to make do with little and how I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. When the world lets us down when we lose a friend or a job, or we don't get something that we expected. We can find hope and contentment by trusting in God's plan and God's will for our lives. I've been there. I know that things don't always work out the way you had hoped or expected. And your life sometimes doesn't look like what you you thought it would look like. And we have an option there, a choice to be really upset with God because he didn't come through in the way we expected or the way we want him to. Or we have a choice to be content in where we are and trust that he's in control and he's working all things together for our good. Isn't that crazy? That that God takes even the mess ups and the mistakes and the sins that we commit on our own accord, that we choose over him, but he works that for our good and for his glory. And so we can be content knowing that he is worth it and he is worthy of our devotion. And last thing, sometimes we have to lead our heart to long for eternity. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I heard Rick Burgess say this in our men's church. The reason that we desire the things of this earth so much instead of God is because we know more about those things of this earth than we know about God. It's football season coming up, right? You guys have been following, some, some of you have been following the recruitment, you've been following the spring training, and, and I love it, and I love you. But you know more about that than you know about God's word, maybe. Or maybe it's your job. You know all about those things that you have to do to get done this week. I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy those things, you shouldn't put your all into those things. Don't hear that, guys. My, my point is, though, that if we want more of Jesus, we can get more of Jesus. And maybe the, thing, the reason that those things are so attractive and so appealing to us is because we know so much more about them than we know about God personally. If we want to love God more, if we want to desire eternity more, then we're gonna have to spend more time With Him, We're going to have to make the commitment, take the time, and lead our hearts toward him because our hearts are bent towards sin. So it requires effort to lead our minds towards Jesus. We have to fill our minds with truth, fill our ears with truth, and get to know him personally better and better. And then we will find that those desires, those things that we used to love, those things that we used to chase after, those things that used to be so attractive come less and less and then there is the one thing that is worth it that's Jesus so this morning I don't know where you are what you're struggling with or if you are if you've just come through a season of struggle you've balanced some things I, I don't know but I know that God knows your heart and I know that he loves you and I know he's with you and that he is for you and my prayer is we're going to stand and sing a song of invitation a moment that you would do what he is asking you to do. And that may be by coming to this altar and praying, giving, uh, giving a situation over to him, confessing your trust in him through a situation. And may be to come and to ask Jesus to actually be your Lord and Savior, to start a relationship with him. But this time is for that. This is for you to respond to what he's leading. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for the time to gather in your name, to sing praises to your name, and to learn from your word, God. And I know no one really wants to talk about suffering. No one wants to suffer. But I also know it's a reality of the life that we live if we follow you. And so, God, you know your people. You know our hearts. We have prayed for you uh, to to guide our hearts this morning because we know that they're bent towards sin and wickedness. So, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would overcome that in this moment. You would guide us to your truth, to your love, to your peace. And we would respond the way that you've called us to in this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. You gotta stand to your feet.